I think we have a unique opportunity in PE teaching to be able to instill values into our students and to demonstrate in through and about movement what it is to care, what it is to be responsible, respectful and positive. Um, we have our students from year seven and eight. And so I, I restart, we start really hard then and we want to instill those values. So by the time they get to us and they're in year nine or year 10 or they're in our NCA classes, they know what we expect and they know that those are the values. So we talk about it. We're going to go and use an outside facility. Um, okay, how can we show these values? So we'll have a discussion before we go. We might have a brain dump on the board. Um, we have the values in and around the gym, just referring to them all the time and trying to role model the values as well. You're listening to the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log. Stories from inspiring educators, leaders, and influencers who are challenging the status quo. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With the ability to track student progress and quiz results, data provided by My Study Series ensures teachers remain informed of how well their students are performing. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. everyone and welcome to episode 73 of the Augmented Learning Podcast where we share stories from outstanding leaders, educators and influencers who are challenging the status quo. I'm your host Carl Condoliff and I'm joined again by my co-host Celia Fleck. Celia, we're on the eve of a drop from Alert Level 4 to Alert Level 3. Uh, what I want to know from you is what takeaways are you going to be lining up to buy tomorrow? Oh, kia ora Carl. Well, our local uh, cafe, restaurant, bar does outstanding margarita pizzas and mm. that's what I've been thinking about whether I do get around to doing that tomorrow or not that will definitely be on the cards for the next couple of days mm, nice and how have you found lockdown so far um I'm I'm quite content with lockdown um I have my son home from boarding school that's always nice to just have that time with him um, I live on the Kapiti Coast, so I have a wonderful backyard in terms of the beach, the river. Uh, the weather has been pretty good. So, yeah, I'm I'm reasonably content. Nice. My kids, uh, they're a year older since last lockdown, and I've um, noticed a real considerable difference in the way they've handled themselves and self-managed, and it's been really, really good. They've managed their own learning. Uh, they've gotten outside and had some fun, so it's been uh, a lot more enjoyable. Um, from from that side of things, still good to spend time with the whanau and, and get that extra time, uh, but a lot different to last lockdown, I think. Mm. Is there anything that you learned last lockdown that's been reinforced this lockdown? Um, no, I don't think so. And to to be fair, it's it's quite contrasted from because of the new role, the different roles, um, the approaches have been two significantly different things. Um, what worked for me last time was getting up at 4am and uh, and that was new at the time and so I'd get up at 4am every morning and I've maintained that since lockdown. So um, that's one thing reinforced how important that is for me to get some of my work out the way first thing in the morning. So that's, that's really helped um, with lockdown for me. 
So it's been 10 months. Can you believe it? 10 months since our last episode about that. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's a bit of a hiatus. Um, lots of things happening, busyness, new roles. Um, so tell me, last 10 months for you, what, what have they been like? What have you been up to? What have you been doing with yourself? I, I'm still getting my head around the fact that it has been 10 months. Um, yeah, fully immersed in the health active learning role, so supporting the teams around the country, and those teams are just growing um, as more roles come on board. Um, and also now a big part of it is new regions coming on board. Um, so that's really exciting to now be going nationwide. Um, so have had some really amazing um, professional development Hui, uh, online learning um, that I get to sort of facilitate with the teams and, and just they're doing some great mahi, some really good people. So, yeah, work-wise, it's been good. And, um, yeah, and just whānau-wise, everyone's everyone's happy and well. So, yeah, life is good. Good, good. It's been, it was really nice to meet some of your team at Penn's conference um, early in the, in the year. It sounds like and seems like they're doing some really good stuff. So kudos to you. We're doing something a little bit different with the podcast this episode. Um, poor Emma's sitting here listening to us uh, ramble on. Uh, we don't normally do it, the three of us, together. Usually it's just one of us interviewing the person. Um, so we've, uh, we're going to try something different. So who knows how this is going to work. Hopefully it all, it all pans out. Um, but we'll find out, I guess. So today we have Emma Don on the podcast. So Emma's the head of uh, Health, Physical Education and Outdoor Ed at Oxford Area School. I've known Emma for a wee while, but I only got to meet her live um, in person recently at Penn's conference, which was pretty cool. So, Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Carl. Kia ora. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and experience and a few tidbits about your school and the students you teach? Yeah, sure. So, um, my name is Emma. Um, I've been teaching since 2009, and my first teaching job um, was at Christchurch Girls High. Um, and that was through the Christchurch earthquakes. So um, that was an interesting introduction to the teaching um, for me. I had always stint um, in Outback Australia and I worked as a governess, which is like a teacher that lives in the home. Um, that was in 2012. And then I came back and I actually had three terms at Upper Hutt College um, in Wellington, which was cool. Um, and then after that, I returned to Girls High until I had my first child, Henry. So that was in 2014. Um, and then had a year's maternity leave and then I returned to um, the school I actually went to, so Rickerton High School, um, and taught health, PE and a bit of science as well um, there. And after a bit of a time there, I went on maternity leave again and had my second son, Toby, and about the same time as Toby was born, um, the job at Oxford Area School came up and we'd moved out closer um, to Oxford. We live in West Eaton. Um, so my husband and I had a wee chat and we thought, yep, let's go for it. Um, and I was successful. So I started there in April 2018. Um, Oxford is um, a school, it's about 520 students from year one to 13. Um, it's in the rural town of Oxford. So that's 45 minutes drive from Christchurch up Tram Road, if if that's familiar to some people, long straight road. Um, we're PB for our school. Um, we have the values of being caring, respectful, responsible and positive. Um, we are predominantly year one to eight. That's where most of our role is. Um, and then we're in the kind of Tipumaya Kahuyako, which is very geographically sparse. It stretches from Hamna um, to Akaroa, Cheviot to Culverton. So it's most of the Canterbury area schools. 
Um, our kids come from various backgrounds and feeder schools. Some of them will go to Oxford their whole life, um, 13 years. Some of them will come and go. Um, we have students for a time and they might move away and then come back. Um, some from the township and some from quite far towards the Canterbury foothills. So, yeah, that's our school and that's me. Nice. Uh, one thing that's stuck out through that for me was you've uh, you've been to a lot of, or you've worked at a lot of schools. That's really interesting. But I'm fascinated about, um, you mentioned at Oxford, you're a PB4L school. I'd like to know how you go about ingraining those values into everything that you do at the school with the students and the community. How, how, does, how have you managed to successfully do that? Yeah, um, I, I knew a little bit about PB4L from Rickerton High School. They were a PB4L school as well. And so when I arrived, um, and Rickerton also had a really strong um, mantra, something called the Rickerton Way, which is, which is something I was familiar with. And so for me going to Oxford, those four values were like the way it is at Oxford. And so um, I think we have a unique opportunity in PE teaching to be able to instill values into our students and to demonstrate in through and about movement what it is to care what it is to be responsible, respectful and positive. Um, we have our students from year seven and eight. And so I, I restart, we start really hard then and we want to instill those values. So by the time they get to us and they're in year nine or year 10 or they're in our NCA classes, they know what we expect and they know that those are the values. So we talk about it. We're going to go and use an outside facility. Um, okay, how can we show these values? So we'll have a discussion before we go. We might have a brain dump on the board. Um, we have the values in and around the gym, just referring to them all the time and trying to role model the values as well. Yeah. That's um, that's really cool. And I asked that because we've, at my school, we've recently redone our values um, and just trying to think about how we can really get our students living them because I don't think we're at that point yet. So um, I think that's some yeah. really good advice for schools who are looking at, at their values and, and how they can be embedded better. Uh, so I caught up with you at Penn's conference earlier in the year and you were on the panel that I was fortunate enough to facilitate. The theme of that conference was embracing mm -hmm. uncertainty um, and you spoke really, really well. You were really entertaining, you are funny. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Do you wanna give us a, 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 a recap of what you talked about uh, through that panel? Yeah, um, yeah. Thanks, Dayons, for backing me to to have a go at that. Um, Phil gave me gave me a ring and asked me, and um, and I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, so I just I, I I tried to keep it real, so I tried to make it relatable. Um, I talked to my class, who are a really good bunch of students, and I said, look, I've been asked to do this. What should I say? What should I share? And they're like, oh, tell them about this and tell them about that, and a few other things, which we you know because we have this thing, what happens on on trips stays on trips and so some of the things we I said no we won't share those but um like there I just wanted somebody to be able to sit there and go oh hey I can kind of relate to that um whatever stage of teaching and learning they're at um I wanted people to feel relaxed and I didn't want them to be, to be talked at I wanted to kind of include them and I had the football going on in the background so I was a little bit um I was trying to yeah knew that I was competing with that um but I just tried to meet the needs of the people that were there and I knew we'd had a long term. We've had, you know, it's a busy couple of years with everything that's been happening for people. Um, and I just thought if someone can take one thing away or they can sit there and go, oh, you know, I can relate to that and and I will, you know, it made them feel good or positive, then that was my aim. I think sometimes we go, oh, 
you know, our colleagues have it easy or they might have it really, it's really good for them. They work here or they work there. But I think at the end of the day, we're all in this together. We all want to send our students out better people for having been a part of our learning area. And um, and so it was just good to be able to share some of my stories. And, and I got some really positive feedback. So it was really lovely. Yeah. What, what sort of feedback did you get? Well, if you do if you do these panels, you don't have to introduce yourself to people because they would be like, "Oh, you're Emma," and I'd go, "Yeah, how you going?" And um, so people were really kind and just saying, "I really liked how you said," or "I could imagine this," or "I really related to this." This is what you said, or um, just things like that. So yeah, and, and some people, um, you know, were quite specific. How do you deal with this? I find at my school, this challenges me, or. I've really struggled with this. And so we'd just kind of talk for a while and it might be, you know, it was maybe over morning tea or something like that. So, yeah. So, uh, Emma, I found, as Carl did and, and as he said, I found your um, your contribution to that panel at conference um, just thoroughly entertaining um, and relatable so I think you know the things that you were trying to achieve that you that you noted just then you absolutely nailed it um so in terms of the conference theme embracing uncertainty here we are back again in level four um most of New Zealand just about to head into level three um how have you found this most recent lockdown um yeah I think maybe the time frame was um was pretty quick so we had we had a, a meeting at school and it went quite late some of our meetings do on a Tuesday and then um we I went to go I had to get some things from the supermarket anyway but you know just the kind of vibe when you the vibe at the supermarket the, the feel of the car park or there's lots of people and you just and quite a few of the people at a local supermarket I know so I was talking to them and they said oh it's been like this since kind of half past one and then the announcement came out and it's like oh yeah um yeah so it, it happened pretty quick um I think for some of our staff it, it would be a bit stressful some of them commute quite far between from our school to their home so um they for coming back to get things um and, and stuff like that I think thinking about our our environment and where we live um some people are challenged still with technology. So the access to the internet um, at our school for some people is a problem. So yes, they can Zoom, but they might not be able to use their camera. Um, or some homes simply don't have the internet, um, be it location or just different reasons. Um, so that can be a challenge. So we have a lot of hard packs that go out. Um, and kind of, if you think about what's happening for rural people at the moment, we're carving, we're lambing, um, we've had weather, so we've had days off for the rain, um, the storm that came through, the flooding, um, we had snow, so we actually had a Monday off a little bit before this for snow, um, so we have had quite a few interruptions already and, and I think that can be stressful for people. Um, and also in terms of staff, um, like people whose parents are essential workers, um, they don't get a break. You know, so we they don't get this time like other people do. Um, the milking's still got to happen. Um, animals still have to be fed, you know, all those sorts of things. So a lot of st our students step into those roles mm. to support in the home. Um, so you just have to be empathetic about that. And you have to realise that, that if a student isn't necessarily doing their schoolwork, they're probably still doing a lot and they're probably still learning a lot um, from what they're doing. Yeah. So I'm just interested if, as a school, um, 
after the lockdown last year, whether you kind of did a bit of a review as a school and debriefed with your staff, with your students, with their whānau in terms of what worked and what didn't and have you been able to take those learnings into this lockdown? Yeah, definitely. We did do quite a big um, a big debrief uh, and we got student voice, we got um, whānau voice, uh, the voice of our staff um, and we've got a big kind of document which was which is like a review which we've been able to put changes in place this time around to help support the learning of those students who um, don't have internet access or don't have reliable access or don't have devices and things like that. Mm. So we've we did quite a comprehensive um, review of, of all learning from home and even this time around um, in terms of engagement and things like that, we've been a lot faster in, in terms of responding to... Um, you know, who's engaging, who isn't, why might that be, what's going on. Um, we have a group of families that we phone. So we did that last time, we did that again this time. Um, yeah, and it's quite interesting because I talk, I've got a new staff member and, and I talked to him a little bit about it and he sort of said, oh, last time, you know, at my previous school, we didn't have the organisation that we've got, so I find this quite easy to follow. And, yeah, so it's, I think we're doing some good things. Yeah, there's some people that work really hard and... Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, certainly there are some lots, not just some, lots of very hardworking people out there at the moment. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, in your panel um, contribution, you spoke, and again, very entertainingly, about the kind of the variables that are involved in um outdoor education and in those um, education outside the classroom experiences and how quickly those variables can change. Um, you know, you've got this real passion for the outdoors. What skills do you think you bring or what skills do you think allow you to be so successful in kind of dealing with that uncertainty in those outdoor environments? Yeah, I, um, I did outdoor education at school. And had quite a few cool experiences. Um, when I was there, I went to Outward Bound and things like that. Um, and our experiences at school were very genuine and very real. So we, if we made a wrong decision about where we went on the map, our teachers didn't save us. You know, sure, they're going to save us if we're in a life-threatening situation. But they let it run. Um, and it was really experiential learning at its best. So I learned a lot from them. Um, I also... I studied in Dunedin, so we had the awesome experiences of pracs, um, and the pracs that we did were just fantastic, and we had some great instructors there. Um, and a lot of what I experienced through um, my own schooling and through university has fed into my philosophy um, a lot. I think you've really got to know when you've got this and when you're going to call in the experts, if you like. And um, I've kind of be- I've become very good at knowing when when it's like, yeah, I need a bit more support here and I need someone who's got better expertise than me and they're going to come in and I say to the kids, I'm a learner just like you. So this this person's here and they're here to support our learning and we're going to, um, you know, we're going to listen and we're going to learn and we're going to show our level of understanding. We're going to respond to questions. Um, we're going to engage. When we ask something, we're going to answer, you know, and, and a big part of that is, is just yeah I know when when I when I've got this covered and when I could kind of do with a bit more support so calling in people to help um knowing out your learners as well so giving students lots of practice in an environment um like we did surfing this year and so we went to the pool 
we had closed environments. We worked on our fitness in the pool before we went in the sea. So trying to give these guys this kind of confidence and that, yeah, I've done a bit of this practice and I've done a bit of fitness and I, I can do this um, when, I, when we get out into the waves and it becomes you know, so much more of an open environment. Um, we run two-year programs, so students get different activities over the course of two years. If they were to take our programs in year 12 and year 13, they would get uh, exposure to a different variety of activities. And I think that's really important too just giving kids variety and giving them the chance to experience all these things while they're at school. Mm. Yeah. So one of the challenges that I remember from when I was teaching and um, head of a department that included outdoor education classes was um, feeling like you constantly had to justify to other teachers, other departments, the learning that happens in those trips <laughs> and um, and also, you know, how not just justifying the learning but um, but trying to kind of, uh, I guess, get other staff on board with supporting those real rich learning experiences. What What's that like in an, in an area school? Like is it the same challenge? Is it the same kind of pushback that you get from from teachers? Yeah, we, we definitely have that challenge. Um, I took over from a really strong outdoor educator. So the head of department prior to me was was an incredible outdoor educator that a lot of people knew um, with a really well-established program. But um, it did just need some change and it just did need a freshen up. Uh, so he had a really, he had a lot of mana in the school and so people were quite are quite accepting of outdoor education because of the path that he's forged and he's been such a passionate driver of it for so long that um that I had a bit of I didn't have too much push net but I we have got new staff since and sometimes I do get the questions about why are we going for the time frame we are why do we need to be out of class and I think I just I just work really hard on getting alongside the teachers it's going to impact on um and just having a conversation this is what we're planning to do what how could this affect your teaching and learning program what can I do to support that and talking to the students about it as well. So I say it's it's never a right that we, we're not going. It's a privilege to be able to go. So we're going to approach our teachers. We're going to ask what work can we catch up on? What do we need to do? Um, we're going to be upfront about it and we're going to be, we're just going to go to the teacher and talk to them person to person. And and I think that that, that develops really good skills for the future. Um, yeah. And, and some students can do that naturally and they totally get it. And some students, we've got to really work on that. So the first trip of the year, they might just go and then I get that feedback from the teacher. So next time I sit, you know, sit down with the class and I say, right, what do we need to do? Who do we need to approach? And, and the, the, the students will talk it out. And the same with their jobs and the same with their sport and um, music and drama and all those things. Yeah. Just trying to instill those values that, that I think uh, make a good person. Yeah. 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 I like that you. I like that you've um, you, you give a little bit of agency to the kids in that space, and and they carry some of that burden and some of that responsibility. Because I think um, it's when that's coming, that messaging is coming from us. It's very easy for teachers or in other learning areas to just um, you know think that that that's us coming through in that in that kōrero, as opposed to a student talking about the powerful and rich learning that they're going to receive by going on that trip. Yeah, and, and I guess I get I get them in year 12, and that's a work on. And by the time I have them in year 13, I think about the nine year 13s I've got this year, 
And of those students, four of them are who are my year 12s. But the others that have come in have just bought into the culture because they, they've known what the culture was and they've realised that they didn't do it last year, but they want to do it this year and they're all for the culture and they just get it. And they just, they do all those things and they ask and they talk and, you know, we get somewhere, how can we help unload, load up, whatever we need to do. Um, and so that's, that's really awesome. And um, a couple of, Oh, it must have been our teacher only day, our um, NCA day, Accord day. Um, about five of them went up to Mount Hutt for the day because that was we were supposed to ski at Porters, but we had a Accord day. And um, they're up there, and they saw the surf instructor up there, and she said to me, "Oh, it was so good." They all said, "Hi, how are you? How how are your kids? You know, how's your family?" And she said, "That's your legacy right there." And I felt really um, moved by that, and I thought that's so lovely. You know, the kids approached her, talked to her. Um, asked her how she was, and they'd taken that upon themselves to go up to the mountain for the day. So, yeah, it was just it was a really really nice feeling when I got that message. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I haven't yet caught up on your workshops that you did at Pens, but I think I've got it right that one of them was with a colleague around some cross curricular learning. Is that right? And is that a way that you've kind of been able to? again, show where that kind of, where outdoor education and that learning outside the classroom can really add value across learning areas? Yeah, we have a quite, we're developing quite a strong cross-curricular program in year nine and 10. And a, a colleague and I, we just sat down and we said, well, um, how about we try this? And so the program was originally for last year and it was a trip to Mount Cook. And it was going to combine some outdoor ed standards I was doing and some geography standards because our students were both taking both subjects. So we thought, well, we might not get these trips over the line, but if we combine together, let's give it a go. So we did. And then obviously um, COVID happened. So that didn't happen. And then we tried again this year and we did um, a trip to Queenstown and the students were able to do um, a whole lot of adventure tourism activities at a really reasonable price. Um, I think the Kaoro Bungee, we were the only booking for the day, um, you know, and just some great learnings for the kids about um, what, you know, what it's like booming and busting times, times when it's really great and this is what it's like and times when it's not so great and just really, yeah, really good experiences for them. Um, so we, we did that trip and that was what one of my PENS um, sessions was was about. And it was really cool that, that Justin came in and supported me there and he knew a whole lot of people that um, that were actually at conference, so that was nice for him too. And, yeah, yeah. So good. is that something that's happening kind of school-wide in terms of that cross-curricular or is it just something that you have been playing with? Just something at the moment I've been playing with. Um, I think there's – there's potential for it to go further. There's potential for other areas to to do it as well, but we no one's probably taken the step that we've taken. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 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 Oh, that sounds exciting. Yeah. Um. So, what do you think are the biggest differences between a rural kid and a city kid, and does that change your approach to learning, to teaching and learning? Yeah, I remember when I had my job interview and um, they said to me, you know, our kids aren't like city kids. And I'm going, yep. Um, and then when I got to Oxford and I got the job, I was looking up some students and I was looking at their NCA results and there's these amazing 
standards of tailing sheep and rumination and animals and just things that I didn't had never seen before <laughs> and I thought how cool like you tailed a sheep and you got two credits or whatever it was um and I thought that was so that was so awesome um just such a diversity you know in terms of learning opportunities and and these kids are doing these things so how great that they can get recognized you know in, in CEA for it um I think our guys you know are they they grow up in some beautiful natural environments. Um, they have some pretty amazing responsibilities, I think. Some of them do, um, you know, they work long hours when it comes to um, when it's time to cut hay and do baling and do silage and things like that. These kids will work till 10, 12, 1, 2 in the morning to get it done. Um, and they're working with people's assets, you know, massive machinery. Um, they're working in people's paddocks, on people's properties, um, and, and I think that, you know, that weight of responsibility, um, is pretty, something that's pretty amazing and pretty unique to, to see what they do and how they do it. Um, and I think that as well, we can provide some really, some really unique learning experiences due to our local areas or due to our community. We've got some amazing people that live in and around Oxford that have done some really cool things and we can kind of draw on that, um, that expert knowledge, which is quite special. Um, and I just make an effort and I did in town as well, cause I think it's really important. And, um, and I'm really lucky that like my husband's on board, he's part of the local rugby club and we just get out there and see the kids and we see them shine. Um, we see them at rugby doing really well. Um, and we're there, you know, and we support them. Um, you see them in the weekend, you see them at the pie shop, you know, you always say hi, ask how they are. Um, Yeah in the supermarket, you know, all that sort of stuff. You just, you just do because it's a small place. And, and I think um, I've always been like that as a teacher. I think it's really important. You just, you are a human being, not a robot. You don't plug into the wall at the end of the day. Um, so you just treat people, you know, the way you'd like to be treated. And, um, and I just, I've always tried to just make the learning relevant to their world. And so I schooled myself up pretty quickly on, on a few farming things um, just to help the chat, you know, uh, someone's not partaking in, in a lesson. They've got, you know, their their Hereford cattle T-shirt on or whatever. So you just spin some yarns about that and, and it helps. And, you know, sometimes I think they appreciate it. They're probably looking at me going, she's got no idea. But at least you're making an effort, you know, and and that's got um, that's got me, got me, I think, yeah, some good it's been the starting point for some solid relationships and um and I'm always interested in what you know some of the knowledge the kids have is pretty awesome some of them have lived in the area a long time and and so I listen to what they have to say because I think I can learn just as much from them as they can from me so yeah I like that what what tends what tends to be the pathway uh out of school for these students do they hang around and and do the farming or do some head into the city what generally where do they head yeah there's um there's a real range um some will work for a year get a bit of money behind them then they'll go and study um and they might stay in and around the township for for six months or a year and then they do move further on some of them commute they're quite happy um to commute to lincoln um to commute to town to uc um some of them move completely away um and will go and study will work somewhere else um, there's a real there's a real range, um, and I think it just depends on on the individual person what's right for them, 
and and all their pathways are unique. We do we do quite a bit of dual enrollment at Year Twelve and Thirteen with the likes of ARA, which is the, the Polytech here. Yeah. Um, so quite a few will get involved in that pathway, and that will be a pathway for them into tertiary, um, which is quite cool. Yeah, I just think as long as you know they're happy and um, they're doing something that that that's their passion, you know that's really really special and some of them will just they will not they do the farm work that that's what they love and and that's mm. what they're into yeah as as a former across school day teacher um i'm really interested in the work that you're doing in your kahoyako so um what what's the kaupapa for your kahoyako and, and what does your within school work look like currently yeah so um we Pretty much the mission um, is brave, capable, confident learners working together to enable high quality schools with excellent teaching um, to create the best future for each and every learner. And the vision is around succeeding um, through collaboration um, and inquiry. So a big part of that um, is is this collaborative PLG system that we have. Um, so essentially what we have 13 schools in our coal. Um, so some of them are just very small primary schools all the way through to the larger um, year one to 13 area schools. And we have about oh, 12 PLG groups across our coal and we will all gather together um, for Hui once a year. That's usually in March. And after that, you will be in, in a PLG and your, your PLG group um, is made up of teachers from all over our coal, which is really cool. So, for example, I'm I'm a WSL. I lead the multi-level teaching PLG. Um, and we've got members from from about six different schools in our, in our PLG. And we catch up. We have a meeting free week once a, one, like once a week per term. So we catch up within that time via Zoom or in person, whatever works best. Um, and we just talk about what we're working on and coming up with some best practice strategies together. Um, and then I do, so I've got that kind of that I do, but then I also do quite a bit within our school around where um, heading into the deep learning, so new pedagogies for deep learning. So I'm kind of a leader for that. Um, and then we've got a peer mentoring thing we're working on along with Write That Essay, um, P, PD as well. So we're all, the WSLs, there's another two of us. We're all tied up with that. Yeah. So every school in our coal uses their WSL in a different way. WSLs in a different way. Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine that you're, so you're leading that PLG around multi-level teaching. Is that quite a common thing in rural schools? Yeah, really common. Really common. So, um, in order for a class to run, really, you you look at um, often classes being year twelve and year thirteen together. So we have a huge amount of those across our, our um, area schools, um, and then also like if I look at my health, uh, senior health year eleven, twelve, and thirteen. So that can be quite common as well. Some schools do year eleven and twelve. Um, not at Oxford that's not something we've ever really done but I know some schools do do it yeah just depends on numbers what would you what would you say what would you say is a number one uh enabler for success in that space in a multi-level um class give me your one thing that is gonna make things easier for you um relationships I think um I just if I think about my senior health I just work on on having a really positive 
um, positive relationship with each of those learners and really um, being able to know why they're in my learning area, why they're in my subject and what they are wanting to get out of it. And, and for me, I see them four lessons a week and I try and make at least one of those lessons a lesson where we all come together and we all we will all learn about something to do with senior health, but it might not be anything to do with an assessment we're doing. It's just a general lesson on something um, to do, something that's topical or current events or something like that. And that, that that brings us together as a class. Yeah, so we're not just year 11s working here, year 12s, year 13s. We can come together at, at some stage and work. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I really like that idea. It's It's almost... It's almost like a, uh, a passion project type approach where for that, that one session you're coming together and, and there's no real direction. It's whatever feeds into that, whatever's going to build those relationships. So that sounds, um, I, I really like that approach. Oh, I was going to say, when you can build a positive relationship and you can have you have them in year 11, they move to year 12, they help the year 11s when they're in year 12, then they move to year 13, they help the year 12s and they use the knowledge. And that, that to a kind of tainer and trying to develop that. And that's something that I've got going quite nicely. And I just work hard to, to keep it, keep it, keep it. Yeah. Mm. The, fact, the fact that you identified or you said that relationships um, is the one thing that's going to help you in that situation. And then you went on to say, well, we have this real strong to a kind of tainer approach. It says a lot about um, your approach to teaching, which I think is um is is the right one is we're focusing on relationships and and the good things that can come out of that before we get to the last question is there anything that we might have missed that you want to mention uh, or is there anything that you want to ask celia and i um oh no i just want to say i should say this is this should be a compulsory question that should be a compulsory yeah. you should should tell all the guests that you have you to have, have one question. question i guess i'd be keen to know um well, thank you for having me on the podcast. It's, it's awesome. Um, but and to, to be with both of you is really cool. Um, but you've both kind of st- like you've been head of departments and you've stepped away from that now. So I'd be keen to know, um, yeah, I guess what, fa- what, how did you know it was the right time to do that? That's maybe a good question from me. So does that make sense? <laughs> Like, how did you make <laughs> that make that call? Because there's been the odd thing, and I've I've often wondered about, oh, have I have I been, you know? And then I think, no, I haven't been enough. You know, how do you know it's the right time? If that makes sense. I'm I'm gonna let Celia start because her step away was, I think, much bigger than than my step away because I'm kind of still in that space, really. So I'll let Celia kick off, and then I might add a little bit at the end. Yeah, it's it's interesting. If I th- if I think about years back now when I was a PE teacher and I went to one of the Penn's leadership conferences and um, someone there spoke about they had just moved from head of PE into senior leadership, a DP role, and, um, and at that time I hadn't even considered even being a head of, head of a department, but they spoke about kind of that responsibility to lead that when you recognize that you have something to contribute and something bigger to contribute it's kind of that responsibility to step up and lead and so eventually I stepped up into a head of PE health and PE department role and then in that middle management role I guess that 
I kind of gradually grew in confidence and felt that I had something bigger to contribute than um, leading a department. Um, and in my situation, <laughs> that wasn't, I really wasn't given permission to do that in the in the environment that I was in. And so I, I looked for it elsewhere. And so I've yeah. stepped out of um, being yeah. in a school um, and I and I have now different leadership responsibilities. And um, I guess I just always look for that opportunity to be challenged and to grow. And that's kind of when I know that I'm looking for something different. And it might not always be necessarily a, step up that kind of hierarchical ladder it's just what's my new challenge going to be where am I going to experience some more growth so that's kind of what where are where I've made change when and where I've made change yeah that's awesome what about you Carl I I was on a bit of a precipice I think I got to the point where uh, I had been leading for a long time and I, I was really fascinated with where I could have the most meaningful impact. And so I had my cross-school lead teacher role. I had a really successful business at the time, still reasonably successful. Uh, I had, um, I was leading a group of phys ed teachers and we were doing a really good job. Uh, and I was thinking about leaving teaching, uh, but it wasn't until I stepped into that across-school lead teacher role where I was working within the community that I lived in the community that my students, uh, sorry, my kids were going to go to school. Um, that's where I realised that that's what was important to me, being able to um, have a, a bigger um, impact on my community. And I couldn't do that as a phys ed teacher. I couldn't do that by stepping away from education either, even though with my study series, we have 10,000 students that I can have a positive influence on. But that's not in my community. That's not where my kids are going to go. And so when this opportunity came up at East as a senior leader, um, I, I thought I'd give it a go because it, it, it sat within my school in my area. Um, it's probably where my daughter's going to go to secondary school, um, which is exciting. And she tells me every day that I'm not allowed to leave East because I have to wait till she gets there. She's very excited. Um, so really, it was it was about what. Wonder how old she'll be when before yeah. she changes her probably, mind about probably that. Probably end the lockdown <laughs> level two. <laughs> so for me, it was just about that. Um, where could I have the most meaningful, positive impact? Um, and that for me is in my community. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Thanks, guys. That's really cool. Um, well, thank you, Emma. It's been an absolute privilege um, having a quarter with you uh, this evening and just uh, learning a bit more about you and your context. Um, it just uh, really makes my heart sing listening to educators like yourself that speak about relationships first. And um, when I listen to people like you, I just think, oh, I would have loved to have been in your in your classroom. So um, thank you for the amazing work that you do um, with the young people. Um, last question from us is, do you ever see yourself ditching the rural life and heading back to the city? Yeah, that um that made me smile. Probably not anytime soon, to be honest. We love it out here. Um, and we're so grateful and blessed every day. We just uh got our got you know, it's a perfect place for our little ones. Um, it's really awesome. I think if anything we might go we'd go more rural, we talk about sometimes. Um hmm. but I, I really love it here, um, and I can relate to what 
um, you've both said, but what you said, Carl, about having a positive impact in the community in which your children will grow and um, go to school because that's that was what we sort of said about me taking this job. Um, I absolutely loved working at Rickon High School, but I, we were living out here. So every day we'd get in the car and we'd go out of our community. Um, so, so no, I think um, we, we're here for a while. Um, we're not that far from town, so... So just a mindset thing, but yeah, we really, we really love it here, and and this is where we are for a while. I'd like to think, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Hey, I'm just gonna um, jump on the back of what what Celia was saying. It's been really nice talking to you and and hearing a little bit about a little bit more about you and, and the stuff that you're doing within your community and you know your focus on relationships is, is is really really awesome to hear and it's it's very clear and evident that that's one of your strengths so thanks for taking the time out during lockdown to to have a yarn i hope the next couple of weeks go well for you and i hope your students transition back into school um, well but again thank you for joining us awesome thank you carl thank you celia